Good morning. Welcome to Out of the Coal Mine. Pastor Mark Jasinski here with you today. It is Monday, July 11th. Had a good service yesterday. We talked about the harder passages of Jude, uh, passages that reference um, pseudepigraphal and apocrypha uh, material. If you want more information on that, you can tune into the sermon. It should be on Facebook regarding the harder texts of Jude. So we had an elders meeting and one of our elders asked the question, uh, basically, as it had to do with uh, the Archangel Michael battling the devil for where Moses would be buried. And um, he says, I don't remember reading that. And I don't remember hearing about that in scripture. You know, in Deuteronomy, we have uh, God bearing Moses. And uh, I said, yeah, that's one of the texts that uh, comes from outside sources and I'm like, yeah, we'll talk about that. I kind of skipped over it in the sermon series just because it is kind of a rabbit trail. How do you deal with these texts, so on and so forth. Uh, but I, I found it to be a good discussion, maybe a little heavy for one sermon. But we talked about uh, the writing, the assumption of Moses, I think otherwise known as the the prophecies or the teachings of Moses. Uh, we have just uh, bits and pieces of uh, that um, text remaining yet today. But we see, uh, I think it was Origen quoted it. And here you have Jude quoting it as well. And then Jude quotes Enoch. That's maybe the most famous quote that we know from, from Jude, the prophecy of Enoch about Jesus returning uh, for judgment upon sin. And uh, the question was, you know, what should we do with these texts? And uh, the relation I made was these were texts familiar to uh, the early church and Jude's using them as teaching points, similarly to what we might do, uh, you know, if I were to quote C.S. Lewis or quote um, I don't know, some movie, Wizard, Wizard of Oz or so was one of the examples yesterday. So anyway, um, it was a fun service to preach. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, coming uh, out of a hard weekend as well, we lost uh, another friend here, uh, Pavel. It's, uh, it is a privilege and a joy to be a pastor. You know, from, from birth uh, to burial, you get to know people and it's tough to lose friends. And I was looking through my texts uh, from Pavel the last year or so. And uh, he sent me this funny one I'm going to share with you. He uh, he liked to do uh, just very humorous texts he would send quite often. And this one had to do with uh, calling for the shark. So here, Pavel, this one's from you. I was at the beach and I heard this guy yelling, help, shark, help. And I laughed to myself thinking, that shark's not going to help him. Don't go to the beach with that guy. Just classic Pavel. Had such a good sense of humor, and even in the hospital towards the last days, he had such a good sense of humor. He knew where he was going, though, for sure. He he was ready. He was ready to meet Jesus, and Jesus chose uh, Friday as the day uh, to bring Pavel home. So we, we miss your brother. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, the point of today's podcast is a quick overview of Synod 2022 for the Christian Reformed Church. I'll have links at the bottom of uh, where you can find full overviews. Uh, so the banner does their banner overview in their way. And so you can read that too. I'll read sections of that in this overview. Uh, but I'll also have a link to all the reports. So the direct reports from Synod, you can read specifically what uh, uh, overtures were made and what recommendations followed and uh, any other details you'd want uh, regarding Synod. So I'll just cover a few points that I found important that Synod this year. I didn't attend. I did talk to uh, one of the delegates, uh, but just reading some of the updates. Um, and I'll, I'll follow the uh, the banners outline a bit just because it's, it's an easy, straightforward one. And so we'll begin with the state of the church. 
It was a Sunday evening speech, and one of the highlights as the State of the Church was presented uh, had to do with demographics of the denomination. And so, like all denominations, we are shrinking a bit in uh, attendance and membership, and uh, some of that has to do with demographics. So, we have people generally having fewer kids, and so this is the first call to you if you're single. Get married, in the words of one friend, right? If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids and have kids, get them baptized, right? So uh, we want to encourage families. Uh, It is the mandate we're given in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. But part of the shrinking we see in the denomination is people are having fewer kids. Uh, And also we have kids uh, that are just moving away. And so, you know, they go to college and then they'll move to a city that maybe doesn't have a CRC or maybe they don't want the church they grew up with or there's other reasons as well, but it's, it's mostly a demographic issue. Uh, But overall, the um, State of the Church address, I guess, went really well. You can find that online. The next point I want to talk about is the statement from the Council of Delegates. So the Council of Delegates is uh, the Synod's interim committee, and they've been doing the work of Synod the last two years. The Synod has not been able to meet, and um, there's been discussion of the work that they've done because there's been some heavy topics uh, that needed to be discussed, uh, that were brought up in this year's synod, but that have been discussed and uh, with the Council of Delegates. Part of it has to do with the church up in Michigan that, um, I don't know, uh, didn't wait for the conversation to happen and kind of jumped uh, to their own conclusions of what they wanted to do. Uh, you can read more about that without me getting into it here. And also some restructuring of uh, synod itself as it relates to Canada. And uh, some of that restructuring looks like uh, bringing in Zach King as the new Synod General Secretary. And then for the CRNA Canada, CRCNA, we have an executive director that has to do with some tax law in Canada. And then for the U.S., we have a director of U.S. Ministries. Sounds like they're both kind of similar to the same job, different titles because of tax purposes. So you can find out more information on that as well. There's a good interview with the new General Secretary, Zach King. You can find that online. Um, Seems to be well fit. Uh, for the job he's been given to do here. Then there was some debate on requirements for ministerial candidates coming out of, of Calvin, some of the requirements and requirement changes. Looks like they're decreasing the number of credits in biblical languages and changing some of the preaching requirements. Some of it, again, is changing demographics and uh, uh, different preparation styles for for ministers. And uh, then there was uh, talk about delegates descended, relaxing some of the rules. So as... Um, typically would happen since 2005 delegations from each classes as the banner writes are to include a minister an elder and a deacon and a fourth delegate from any uh, of the offices. So there was wording change to ordinarily. Uh, I guess it's been kind of hard to find some delegates sometimes, maybe some of the deacon delegates. So ordinarily um, a delegate from the classes will include a minister an elder, a deacon and a fourth delegate from any office. So ordinarily just uh, opens up the options for who can go, who can be sent, it sounds like, as we read it there. And another point to point out, so um, the uh, strengthening the abuse response process, there has been a code of conduct form that has been sent to Senate, now sent to the classes to discuss for approval. And uh, that'll be an interesting discussion as well, as uh, I think that one gets decided next year from my understanding. And... You can read that whole code of conduct online and who uh, will be required to sign it if, if approved. And uh, then there was some discussion of relationship with the RCA. We know the RCA has some changes going on because of decisions the RCA has made the last 20 years. It's, uh, it's kind of drifting apart. And so new denominations have been formed. About 10 years ago, the real conservative churches left. 
um, with some of the liberal churches as well, going in their opposite directions. And, and now um, new denominations have been formed. And so uh, a lot of RCA churches are, are changing affiliation, pastors changing uh, the ordaining, um, sending denomination and so forth. And so what is the CRC's relationship with the RCA now? Uh, some of the discussions a little bit late because the issues have happened in the RCA already. Like, you know, early discussion in the RCA was, can we just sail the CRC and the RCA ships together? And then conservatives can jump to one and more liberal theologically thinking uh, pastors can jump to the other. Um, so because of not having synod in the CRC, I think that, that discussion uh, was bypassed and now we're at a new point. And so the CRC did decide to recognize the Kingdom Network, which is one of the new RCA um, denominations formed, but there's more discussion to happen there. A couple other points to point out here, trying to keep the podcast a bit shorter. There were uh, ecumenical guests and big decisions were happening in the CRC as it has to do with human sexuality. And uh, the reminder was, you know, even though the CRC is small, uh, we're being watched for what we do and decide. It could be very influential denominationally as uh, the CRC makes decisions in uh, accordance with God's word. Uh, and then the issue came up uh, of, of the affirmation of penal substitutionary atonement. Uh, one class has brought two synod, uh, um, basically uh, a request to declare that any denial of penal substitutionary atonement is a heresy, which uh, created the discussion of what is a heresy. And so that got broken up into, I think, about nine points of what dictates uh, heretical teaching and, uh, and what her- heresy is, basically meaning you're out of the church and so, um, should the denial of penal substitutionary atonement be regarded as heresy? That is an interesting discussion, um, kind of a surprising discussion even in the notes, but it comes out of uh, a class of South West that uh, did some things related to penal substitutionary atonement um, that uh, you can read about in the notes as well. Uh, so, what it looks like happened from that discussion is that anybody who <clears throat> excuse me who denies penal substitutionary atonement of Christ it's that legal presentation of Christ in our place to make us uh, righteous before God a uh, good definition offered by uh, uh, by the banner says this penal substitu- substitutionary atonement is the name for how reformed Christians understand the theology of the cross that Jesus died for us is a fundamental and perhaps universal Christian affirmation. The question isn't whether Jesus died for us, but how to understand that central Christian teaching. And so you can find fuller definitions uh, of what that particular theology is and the legal ramifications before God of our standing before him, of Christ receiving his wrath in our place. And so what happened basically is my understanding is if somebody denies that uh, doctrine, it's a disciplinable offense, which uh, doesn't put it in the heretical category. It's more of a call to repent and come back and teach what is uh, in sound accordance with Scripture. And uh, acknowledging there are other ways to describe Christ, but if you're missing that, you're missing the heart and soul of it. So it sounds like they skirted the uh, the heresy label on that anyway. Um if you have any notes of those that were there on that discussion, I'd love to hear from you. But the big one was the human sexuality report. You can read both the majority and the minority report online. This had to do with the advisory 8B. This was the major point in Synod. Um, it had to do with accepting the human sexuality report, and uh, that one was approved 131 to 45, and so to abstain from it. Uh, the report is now sent to churches 
as a tool biblical uh, as a as a biblical tool for teaching. It's useful for churches right, to, to to address what is biblical sexuality, so on and so forth. And uh, you know, the bigger issue in that was recommend recommendation D is it tied to the Heidelberg Catechism and the Heidelberg Catechism's teaching on on unchastity as it relates to the seventh commandment. Um, and Cindy did affirm unchastity as uh, the Heidelberg does declare it all forms um, of basically non-man woman <clears throat> uh, marriage and other sexual sins as uh, falling into uh, that definition of uh, unchastity. So Cindy declared this an interpretation, um, this historic interpretation of the seventh commandment based on the Heidelberg uh, 108 uh, as confessional. So it makes it uh, holding confessional status and it's an immediate operation. So the CRNA is uh, is now defined as encompassing all of those sexual acts of disobedience falling under um, what's described in uh, Heidelberg 108 and Seventh Commandment, so on and so forth. And then marriage ultimately is being defined as a man and woman historically as it always has been. That passed by 123 to 53 against to abstaining. Um, there's more to it than that, and if you've been uh, in line with uh, what's been happening over the years with the Human Sexuality Report, you know there's a whole lot more discussion that falls uh, under that uh, category as well. I'd encourage you to read the report in the link below, uh, the one titled uh, CRCNA.org Synod Documents. You can read the whole report, um, what was recommended, um, and the advisory committee's uh, response there. So the last issue would um, be the classes in uh, East Grand Rapids and the decision of ordination of one of their deacons there. Not getting into that online, you can find that report as well in the notes. If you have any other discussion or questions on Senate of 2022, there's probably better reviews and fuller overviews. You can find those and read those as well. This is just a quick overview and summary. Um, yeah, uh, if you have any additional thoughts, please feel free to email me or uh, um, call here. Let me know what your thoughts are on that as well. But I would encourage you to look at the websites, both from the banner and uh, the documents coming out of Synod to get the fuller view of what happened there this year. All right. Glad you could join me today. It's been good uh, to meet with you and uh, just opening up Pavel's warning against sharks one more time. And we're going to close with, uh, with his last warning. So here we go, Pavel, you get the last word today. I was at the beach, and I heard this guy yelling, Help, shark, help! And I laughed to myself, thinking, That shark's not gonna help him. Don't go to the beach with that guy.